0: So it is absolutely imperative that we have a vision beyond where we are. That's why that's what growth is all about. That's what expansion is all about. That's why you must have you must always have your mind thinking forwardly. That's why the scripture saying what saying. Read it again, Captain. Where there is no vision. If you don't have the vision to think beyond where you are, the people perish. You will perish. You understand? So we must continue to move forward. We must continue to move as one. Move within the program and the guidelines that this Bible has recorded. y'all understand? Yeah, 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 hey, Israel, where you at? I say Israel, where you at? Yeah, yeah, We on the ground trying to take a That is where you're at I remember, oh, Brother Yavin from Cali said that, I like that thing. Consistency and discipline work together. And I'll I'll say this, brothers often ask, how, how do I always stay motivated? Easy. I'm not always motivated. But I'm always
1: disciplined.
2: are now listening to the forefront radio where we discuss history the bible the history of the israelites science and other matters bring it out the history of the blacks hispanics and native americans as it relates to the bible who were you prior to slavery who were you prior to colonization these answers and more can be seen and heard as you listen to the forefront radio
3: Hello and welcome to this special edition of Vibrations. I'm Raven Geary. Today on our program one of the hottest properties making the talk show circuit, Shaharzad Ali. An established writer indeed. Ms. Ali is best known as the author of The Black Man's Guide to Understanding the Black Woman, a very controversial and if I may say so a very critical view of life of today's black woman. She joins us today in our studio and of course we'd like to welcome you today to Vibrations. Well, thank
4: you Raven for inviting me.
3: Basically um It's your premise that the black woman is out of sync with the natural order of things. Can you explain that?
4: Well, it's a very sensitive subject. Mm -hmm. And uh, certainly I uh, believe that I have tried to approach it from a very sensitive angle. Uh, What I have actually said is that the black woman's disrespect and rebellion against the leadership and the authority of the black man is a direct cause of the breakdown in the black family structure. Uh, It's not an attack on us as black women It's just saying that in the breakdown of any relationship, both parties have to take responsibility. And as black women, we have been protected and insulated from any kind of examination about what our share of the responsibility is in the breakdown of the black family. Uh, My book represents the first platform, certainly, that the black man has ever had to air his grievances about the black woman because no one would ever listen to him. They have only listened to us.
3: Can you tell us a little bit about the book itself? Uh, What brought you to this point of having uh, to sit down and and use your pen to write this book?
4: Well, actually, it was my first book. In 1985, I authored uh, How Not to Eat Pork or Life Without the Pig. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that time, I was going around doing what I was calling Get Off That Hog lectures. And uh, during my travels, I noted that uh, I would take the microscope and show people how you can't kill the trichina worm in pork by cooking it. Uh, heat was not destroying the worm, and I would show them, you know, the difference, and uh, demonstrate how FDA was now using radiation to try to kill the worms in pork because cooking was not working, which is what we had always been told. And uh, during that time, a lot of black men were in agreement to get off. Uh, eating pork, they wanted to change their eating habits, and uh, they were happy to find out some information that might possibly save their lives, but it was black women who were the most adamant uh, who refused to change meal planning techniques, uh, seasoning food cooking techniques and so I said uh, "Hmm, it's interesting, I said if we are refusing to provide the black man with the proper physical food when we know that food is what sustains life, then what else are we withholding from him? Possibly there are some other areas emotionally, spiritually, you know, psychologically that uh, we are affecting his behavior by what we do or what we withhold and refuse to give. And uh, that led me to try to find out. You know, we've always heard that the black man leaves the black family, uh, abandons his woman and children, won't take care of the children, won't work, stays out all night, turns into a drunk, takes drugs. You know, we've heard a lot of negative things. Most of them are true. But uh, I wanted to find out what happens before he gets to that point. What leads up to the breakdown? We've never gone back to try to find out what happens in the relationship between the black man and a black woman that makes him go off and do all of these bad things. Uh, to assume that this is just normal, natural behavior for a black man would be to assume that he is naturally bad. And I do not believe that uh, the man that God gave to us as a mate is a naturally bad person. And so I wanted to try to uh, examine what goes on with him? What, what's his side of the story? Did We've a never black examined.
3: man ask you to write this book? Oh, no,
4: no, no, certainly not. Uh, I think they were just as surprised as black women. <laughs> uh, many of them approached the uh, title of the book with a little uh, apprehension because they have not had a, a champion. We have never had a black woman who actually stood up and said, I'm standing up for the black man's side of the story. Uh, we know what our side is, and uh, both sides are true we have done some very dreadful things to each other. And I don't exonerate black men, which is a kind of a, a misconception that people have. I just say that we know his side. What about our side? And we do have a side. Uh we have adopted uh some wrong standards. We are judging our men many times by the wrong value system. Uh we are using his children sometimes against him. Uh, We have been told that the only benefit that a black man provides in a home is money, and if he does not give us money to take care of those kinds of financial provisions, that he has no value. And uh, what my research has proven to me is that a a black man, any man in any home, provides much more than financial support. Uh, The man provides guidance, instruction, discipline for the children, which we sorely need in our black homes. he provides gratification, fulfillment, protection. I mean, there are so many other valuable values, and these values are the ones that are missing in our children today which is why many black children are in the street out of control themselves, are disrespectful, don't have any regard for anyone. And most of us are scared of them and everybody else is because nobody has a way in to them to try to gain any control over them. So I maintain that a return to traditional family values, certain clearly defined gender responsibilities for black men and black women in running a home and a relationship will help us to produce a better child. And if we produce a better child, certainly we'll have a better future and a better nation.
3: And saying all of this, and as calling yourself a champion and, and uh, having, if I may say, the courage to write this book uh, and stand by it. You've caused a stir. This book is very yeah. controversial. What uh, are you hearing from public reactions? Well, I,
4: I don't think that it's an issue among black women about whether or not the book is true or not. The issue is that I was not supposed to tell. These are inside secrets and things that we have never uh, let our men know about. And many times we, what is that we say? Uh, he can't handle me. Well, many times he can't handle us because he doesn't know what it is he's trying to handle. He doesn't understand what motivates us. We have become very adept, many of us, as being able to uh, do something right in front of his eyes and then convince him that that's not what he really saw at all and that it didn't happen. And so we've kept him kind of confused.
3: Excuse me. Do you realize that there are many bookstores, and in particular black bookstores, that have refused to carry the black man's guide to understanding the black woman?
4: I think that that's been overblown. Uh, right now, the book is carried in over 5,000 bookstores here in this country and about 2,000 abroad. The book is becoming a bestseller in London. And to date, we only know of two bookstores in the entire country who refuse to carry the book.
3: May I tell you that there is at least well, one in Tallahassee. There, there may be, but and it's the, their the, lost the, if the re- they're
1: doing that.
3: <laughs> the response we got from that book owner was that your book had nothing. Absolutely nothing constructive. Was that a woman who gave say. you those comments? Yes, it was. Oh, how surprising. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the things that seem yeah. to be upsetting people you know, well, that people you know, are talking uh, there about. There
4: certainly have been a lot of things taken out of context. Uh, anyone who's ever looked at me or seen, you know, witnessed some of the talk shows, uh-huh. they actually. Uh, exploit a lot of issues. They take them out of context. They want to sensationalize them to build up their ratings to have a good show. So I really appreciate this opportunity to just sit down and have a fireside chat about the book. Well,
3: I'm glad you're here. Without all
4: the fireworks and everything.
3: Um, you say black women, and I quote you as saying nag. Nag, nag, and that we we are essentially responsible for pushing our men away by doing so. A lot of
4: times uh, we we take a position because of our own emotional mechanisms, Uh, we harass our men too much. We nag our men too much, and we keep his mind and his head so bundled up and bogged down with all of our personal idiosyncrasies about our day-to-day personal relationship with him that a lot of times we don't free his mind up to go out and to plan sanely for our future and for the future of our children. Uh, Many of them come to us every day, and they almost have to do a wind test. They don't know what's going on. They don't know who they're going to meet because we have a lot of uh, reactions. Uh, We tend to think as black women that a successful relationship and one where we're happy is one where everything goes our way. And the first time it goes another kind of a way, then we go into hell, turmoil in our brain, and we start deciding, oh, I've got terrible problems with this man. Uh, he won't do what I want him to do. When our men have a
3: side, we let, were, And uh, let me give that side you know, according well, you know, they, to Shahrazad Ali, okay? <laughs> You say in your book Okay, let's the black man in America is the only male on earth, including every continent, who is disrespected by the women in his nation. That's true. This situation does not exist any place else among the billions of people inhabiting our planet except here in America. That's right. The other black men, the yellow men, the red men, the brown men, and the white men are all honored and respected by their respective nations. All other women recognize and accept that the man is the authority, the ruler, and the leader. Only here in the United States, in the black nation, scattered throughout the United States, excuse me, rather, is the black man neglected. That's pretty powerful. And it's
4: absolutely true. Uh, We have been displaced. A lot of us don't really understand what slavery actually did to us and how much psychological trauma it did to us regarding what our proper roles are with each other, uh, what our responsibilities are as man and woman in our various communities and relationships. Uh, We have never been debriefed from slavery. Not really. We have just, you know, we know we had that history, but we don't know how it affected us. We don't know how much of our actual culture we lost how much of our ideas have uh, were taken from us. We know that our religion was taken from us. We know that our names were taken from us. But we don't know how many other standards of day-to-day life have been removed. And while we have adopted the American way of doing things, uh, they have not worked for us because we have a very special situation. We are not the same as everyone else. And a lot of the people who want us to pretend that slavery didn't exist or to forget about it they've never been a slave so they don't know what we're going through they don't know what this has done to us uh it has made us as black women insecure why not uh, uh, okay that's
3: true why not take up for us why not write something that says we need everybody
4: to take up for for us and uh, we've always had books about black women how great and how strong we are. And we are that. I'm just saying that uh, we have used our strength in the wrong direction. We have used it against our men instead of standing up for them. And if we start to support our men and to speak a good word for him publicly, then so many people won't be able to come against him and tear him down. And he won't have to feel so frustrated. And he won't be outside away from us looking for peace of mind with women of other nationalities because we actually want our own black man. We need him back in our homes, and we want to have one. We're just living in a culture where they're trying to convince us that not only do we not need a man, but there are some other options to having one, and those options mainly are celibacy or lesbianism.
3: There's a, an old saying that says, um, charity begins at home and spreads abroad. And Absolutely. in your book, you say that we are not bringing up our daughters and our sons in a correct manner to respect their fathers. No,
4: we're not. Uh, Unfortunately, as I say, since money has been used as the measure, many times if a black man does not have money to give us, we won't even let him see his children. We won't let him spend any time with it because he does not give us whatever the child support is. And I'm not saying that we don't need money to raise a child, but I try to explain to black women that raising a child consists of much more than feeding, clothing, and sheltering it. That's maintaining one. To raise one, you need a return of the parental coalition of the father and the mother to put the proper values into the child. Uh, many of our boys Boys, uh, when we raise them alone, uh, they grow up with the female emotional mechanism. Uh, they are, are suspicious. They are doubtful. They are disrespectful of womanhood. They are bitchy. They can't make a decision. And many of our girls who grew up in a home where there's no man present, they go out into the world and try to the mate. They don't have any idea how to live with a man day to day, how to prepare a proper meal, how to be a mother, how to just be in love in the home. Uh, most of what our people and our children especially have learned about uh, how you have a relationship, they learned off of television. And television doesn't represent our needs. And so a lot of the confusion has come, you know, from outside agencies that we have not recognized how detrimental it has been to us as a people. Can, I, uh, can I
3: play devil's advocate for just a minute? Well, moment? I wish
4: you wouldn't, but I know you must. Go on.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what if I am a good wife,
4: mm-hmm.
3: his home is clean, his kids are fed, I'm making sure they're well educated, I help them with their homework, I'm a good lover in bed. I help him with the finances, and I say, look at that. He still took a walk.
4: Well, that's something else that's been confused about my book. I advise black men and black women, I certainly tell men, that if you are with a woman who you have been with for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, 6 months, 2 weeks, whatever it is, and that woman refuses to cooperate with your ideas, does not want to get with your program of right, whatever it is, then I tell those men, get rid of that woman and get another one. And I tell black women the same thing. If you are with a man that you cannot be in agreement with, then get rid of him and get with a man that you can be in agreement with. If the man you're with is not treating you the way that you want him to and you feel that you have put in enough time, to demonstrate your commitment and your sincerity of efforts to try to make the relationship work, I don't tell people to just stay in that relationship. I'm trying to teach us that we waste a lot of time being angry with each other and being dissatisfied in relationships. Get out of it and get with one where you can be happy.
3: You say that the black woman would like to be a clone of the white woman.
4: Many of us, yes. That's unfortunate.
3: How do you see that? Well, uh, that's something that was
4: almost accidental, I'd have to say. See, the white woman has been the only mentor that we have had of a female we've seen her every day of our life on television every magazine every newspaper uh, every commercial you know it's, it's just been her face her body her image whatever it has been in front of us and so today we have the results of that we have black women who are trying to Dye their hair blonde, who are wearing blue and green contacts in their eyes, you know, who wear tons and tons of layers of makeup, who have changed their voice, who have hair weaves so they can have flowing long hair blowing in the wind, you know, like uh, uh, Brooke Shields or somebody, you know, and so that's been an accident. And as a result of us doing that, we have also adopted the women's liberation movement goals of wanting to be liberated from the man and have some kind of pseudo-equality, when while that may be true of the white woman and her plight with the white man, that's not really the black woman's business because we haven't been under the control of the black man for over 500 years. So what do we have to be liberated from him from? But is there something wrong with (laughs) trying to make yourself look better
3: or more appealing? Well,
4: it depends on what standard you're using as being the goal of looking better. Hmm. You know, if we think to look better is to put on a ton of makeup and have blue eyes, then there's something wrong with that, you know. But if we think that to look better is to certainly get a better spirit in our heart and uh, to work every day to become a better wife, a better mother, better friend, better sister, then those values and attributes alone will make us more beautiful than we are now.
3: How do you feel about the fact that... um, Many people accuse you of wanting to see the black woman at a point of submission. Is that where you want to see a black woman in the 1990s? Well, it
4: depends on how you define submission. Those words uh, have a tendency to have a negative connotation for us because of how they were used against us during slavery and what we connect them to. But actually, the kind of submission that I'm referring to just means cooperation and agreement. Uh, I don't think that anybody could say that I represent a woman who is subjugated in any kind of way. I don't think that anybody could say that my personality sounds like some man has me somewhere crawling around on the ground or walking 10 paces behind him. So I'm not representing that. I'm representing strength. I'm saying that we have a lot of power. We have power to make heaven and hell for our men. And I'm saying let's try making heaven. Let's try to build him up. If a man has his woman behind him, he will believe he can do anything, and all we need to do is to get our man to believe that they can do anything, and he'll be able to you know, do much better than he's doing now and come out of the pitiful condition he's in. As I said, I'm not exonerating him. I'm just saying that all of that strength that we have, let's use it in a more positive way instead of just going for self. You know, nobody told us that all of that being my own person and I'm independent would lead to separation and loneliness. But that's what we had to trade for that in order to have certain kinds of success we had to give up the man because uh, we can't find a man who will compete with us on that level Uh, as i said we say he can't handle us or he's intimidated by the fact i make more money than him Uh, i think that by judging our men on how much money he makes uh, we have lost a lot of good men because as black women if we decide that all of us are going to just determine whether or not we going to have a man based on how much money he makes, they want none of us have no man. Because most I black
3: women, don't, black men don't have no there money. There are many men. <laughs> not out. a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> there are many men out there who don't want a woman that's absolutely true who is uh, not gainfully employed. That, that's this true. It works both ways. And
4: uh, one of the things that I have always explained about that, Raven, is that for my lectures, which you know I do all over the country, so I can. Uh, give black people some ease and take some hysteria out of our communities that the book seems to have caused. Uh, I have security guards, not because of black women. We're going to do just what we do. We're going to fuss and we're going to cuss or do a little something, you know. But I have it because of black men. Because the black man's got to understand the black woman puts the black man on point. And it reminds him what he has allowed to happen to his woman and his family. Many black men become intimidated. They don't want to take responsibility for their women. They don't want the challenge. They don't want to be put on point. So they become overwhelmed. And it's them that go off. That's why I have security. Because most men know that this book puts the black man on point. It just talks about what slavery has done to the black woman. But it's really telling him what he has allowed to happen.
3: Let's go back to the book for just a moment. According to you, there are three types of black women. Yeah, they overlap a little bit. Can you define it just very briefly for us? Well, we have,
4: uh, I kind of number them, I think, as one, two, and three. And I would call them lower class, uh, middle level, and so-called upper class. You know, And uh, we certainly have to acknowledge that we have those levels in our society. We see them every day. That is not a put down to recognize that we have a lower class woman who perhaps lives on the street, who is an alcoholic, a bum, you know, who is outdoors, who is uh, uh, subject to abject poverty as a lack of, uh, because of a lack of education and proper training and personal hygiene and other kinds of information. Uh, she exists, and we need to reach her and try to raise her up differently because many of these women have children, and we have to be responsible for them. Uh, we have uh, the mid-class women who are the number twos, and uh, they're kind of average. They try to do better uh, than the lower level and then of course we have the number 3 class which is uh, the so-called successful you know black woman who is a uh tripping about the fact that she generally has a big job and a credit card or something, you know. Uh, but we, don't you we want do to a see lot black of, women accomplish something? Yes, I absolutely do. But if we can't accomplish saving our race, then we have not made an accomplishment. We are looking at our man uh, become endangered. He's already endangered. Over 60% of us are single, widowed, separated, or divorced as of last year. And so we're not together. And uh, there is one monolith in the black community, Raven. If we don't reproduce children, then our nation, our race is going to die out here. And so we sometimes tend to look at black men and say, yeah, they're in this bad condition. And we act like they're going to die out and we're going to live on. But that's not the way it's going to go. Uh, If the black man dies, all of us are going to die because he actually is the backbone of our nation. Uh, We can't produce a baby by ourselves. And going into other nationalities still just erases our our nation. And I'm trying to get us uh, not to do that. You have problems with
3: interracial marriages. Yeah, I'm I'm not
4: for that. Well, because of uh, the fact that I think that God made a male and female of every nationality so that they could mate and reproduce. And I think in our particular case, uh, a lot of us uh, try to run to what I call a, a race denial by trying to marry into other nationalities to try to get away from our own heritage. Uh, Many black women do that, and certainly many black men do that, so I'm trying to get them to get back together and stop trying to marry and go into other races and infiltrate them with some of the nonsense that we bring as a result of our uh, sad slavery history. What Um, if a
3: woman says to you, well, I was alone, and he came to me at a very vulnerable point in my life, whether he's... Hispanic, or um, um, from the Middle East, or he's Caucasian. white, and mm-hmm. Caucasian doesn't matter, and she just says, he came to me at a very vulnerable point in my life, Shahrazad, and he's well, good to me, and well, he takes Well, it's, care it's of not me. necessary for
4: people to confess to me. I tell people all the time, I'm not taking a poll. This book is about self-examination and personal development, and if after reading this book, she thinks that she is still in the right place, then I don't have any control over that. I'm not out here as a judge. As I said, I haven't set myself up to say I'm the perfect black woman. Everyone should be about me. I have the same problems that all the rest of y'all got. I'm just trying to work with it, and uh, this book is so brutally honest. We've never had anybody just talk, just straight talk to us about our personal problems, what happens inside the black home after the door is closed, and we have had a tendency to think that it's some kind of secret, that nobody recognizes, that we don't get along, and uh, we tend to think that somebody's going to pick this book up from some other nationality and think that all black women are like the women that I describe in this book. That's totally impossible because the things that I describe are visible and they're audible. You can see them, or you can hear them. So nobody's going to mistakenly think you do these things if they don't see them or hear them coming out of your mouth or out of your actions. You know, so there's no danger of people thinking that all of us do this.
3: Sheherazade, there are Mm. a lot of women out there who think you don't like us. You don't like black women. Oh, yes, I do. I love black women. I'm a black woman myself, and I got
4: five daughters and four sisters. So that would, you know, be ridiculous of anybody to assume that. As I said, we have just never had anybody challenge us on our behavior. We've never had anybody to say, well, let's look at what we do. We know what he does, and he's wrong in a lot of what he does. But his wrongness, his guilt does not ensure our innocence. We have a share in the problems that we have in the black community. And just because we are dressed up and have a job does not mean that we don't practice some aberrant behaviors that end up infecting our homes and breaking up our relationships with our men and helping to hold him down. That's all I'm saying. So everyone can look at themselves. Every man can look at his own woman. You know, this book has brought a lot of people together. Uh, This book has reunited a lot of couples who now understand what happened in their relationship. Uh, It's required reading in 15 historically black colleges and 10 white colleges. Everyone must study what slavery did to the black woman. We have never looked at it as an independent
3: study. May I ask you on what do you base your information? Uh, Just research.
4: Being a black woman myself living here in the country and I interviewed over 3,000 people. Uh, I interviewed 379 black men who were married to or dating white women. Over 100 black women who were married to or dating white men and a little over 2,000 black men and over 1,000 black women. And what I found is that we don't have a control group. There was no point in me listing all of their names because we don't have one set of Negroes that we could point at and say, okay, well, this particular group is not affected by slavery. All of us are affected by it. We just have not been able to identify the manifestation of that behavior and be able to trace it back to what the root was and how we got that way. A lot of the behavior we practice because it's trendy, it's popular in this country, and so we think that that's just the thing to do.
3: Do you fault the black man for anything?
4: Yes, absolutely. Briefly i I him
3: for lying. For lying? Yes. About?
4: All kinds of things. He won't tell us the truth about his life because he knows that we can't handle the truth. And so he will lie to us about his activities and his life because it preserves the peace for him, he thinks. But we know that lies don't build a relationship. They create doubt, suspicion, and fear. And then we exhibit those behavior traits. And fear in the female is always translated as hostility and so see it's a locked in circle that I'm trying to get us to look at how these things are connected and what they produce. Uh, A lot of the anger and frustration we have at each other is really not even at each other. It's about our conditions. It's about something that's almost been genetically sent down through our womb Mm -hmm. because our men were not able to protect us. They were not able to keep the slave master from snatching our babies out of our womb or to allow us to have food or clothing. Uh, A lot of different kinds of things that happen to us that just make us tremble. They make us frightened. And so now it's to a point where everything that the man does, uh, we have our total emotional balance, our self-esteem, our self-respect. Everything that we stand for as a female, we have it tied right now to our men's genitals. And it depends on what he does with those about Let, whether or not we Let's happy. talk about
3: that for just you a know, moment. See, this is
4: an intense topic. This, I just this never is. get a chance to explain One it. One
3: thing that I read over and over again in your book oh, was know a, that regarding... Is infidelity. And l- let me just make this here. You say in your book there is no history of the black man settling down with one woman? Right. And never desiring to have another. Before right. slavery, during slavery, or after slavery. That's the black just the man truth. has never been recorded to have just one woman.
4: Right. Well, I think there's some actual facts we can look at on that. Monogamy has failed for the white man in America. But
3: this is like saying
4: it's okay. It's not me saying it's okay. This is how they're living. I'm giving you the history of what their life is. Black men haven't been waiting on me to tell them it's all right to have more than one woman. Neither have white men. You know, this is just what they do. Uh, I'm not talking about fornication and adultery. I'm not talking about one night stands and running around rampant with other women. That's not the kinds of when I say more than one woman relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean that before we came to America, our men had more than one wife and family. And we were satisfied with it because we had not met the monogamy idea. We had not met the American white woman who, you know, insists on certain kinds of values in her man. Uh, We had not uh, learned envy and jealousy. Mm. All right, after coming here, those kinds of ideas were bred into us because of society and uh, the mores that the Americans made up here. And so then we started to have problems with that. But uh, I think that since it is apparent that most of them, not all of them, it's certainly up to the man, do love more than one woman. many i got tons of male. A lot of black men write and tell me that they have had two women. For 5, 10, 15, and 20 years, and they can't even get the women to speak to each other. Sometimes they have two families.
3: Would, two I, want to, of would I want to talk to a woman who's sharing perhaps the bed and, and the, the money and the social life with, with who I would deem as my man?
4: If you want to deal in reality and if you are not insecure and if you don't think that that robs you of something. You would want to know them. If he loves her, you certainly should want to know her.
3: There are a lot of black women out there who say, Oh, I know Mr. they're mad about that idea. <laughs> I understand, you know. That I would that's never, never hold easy. water. Wait a minute, that's not easy.
4: And that's a frightening thought to most of it, most of us. And I don't like that. I'm not for that. I'm in agreement with everybody else. Our men ought to just have one woman. But that is not the reality. I'm trying to get us to deal with some reality for a change. Stop dealing with fantasy. Stop dealing with television. Stop dealing with imagination of how we wish things were. Let's deal with them how they are, what it is, present tense. But because that's happening doesn't
3: mean I have to like that or want to accept that. No, that means that you can
4: live in hell. That means you can live in in doubt. That means that you can always be checking on your man. That means that you can be insecure and uh, be, you know, tearful. And that means you can be disappointed when you find out the real truth. And you don't want to have that in your life. None of us do. But in order not to have that, then we have to deal with some reality and recognize that men are not limited in the way that women are. Men are able to love more than one woman. I'm not talking about, as I said, just a random sexual relationship of fornication and adultery and all of that. I mean that there are many black men who have children by more than one woman. What is to become of those children? They need their father.
3: Now, you say that once these relationships don't work Mm -hmm. and they start breaking up or things start going bad at home, you say, she will cry and seek sympathy yeah. During this period, the black woman will remind the black man of everything she has ever done for yeah, him. Yeah, we do that. She will try to make him feel guilty yeah. and ashamed of his decidedly outrageous yes, behavior. Absolutely. She'll let the house go, and I quote you, to hell. That's right. She may stop cleaning, ironing, washing, and cooking. And, and we withhold sex. That's a real tool we use. We do that. But if you would cheat on me or
4: walk on me... Well, see, that's what I'm saying. We have to get into definition. Who told us that was cheating? Where did that idea come from that that's cheating? And I'm not saying that a lot of men are are not just running around. I'm not talking about that. Mm -hmm. But if a woman finds out that her man has been with a woman while she's been with him for three or four or five years, that's a serious commitment and relationship. And if it hasn't taken anything from me, if I'm not going short of anything, and if this is what he thinks his responsibility is then what kind of hell are you going to go through to prevent that? Since we cannot stop him, we have not been successful. The white woman has not been successful in stopping the white man from having another woman. They call them a mistress. We pick up a lot of that terminology. But a man who has two women, that's not necessarily a mistress. That's just his other woman. Now, we got two choices. We can be the woman or the other woman. You We don't have it those two. Now, I know we don't like that. I don't like that. You know, But that's the reality of our life at some point. Now, it's up to the man. But Every what about, man doesn't want to women, what about, but those that do, they're going to do morals and our religion? Whose religion? Whose morals? Not our religion, because we're not practicing the religion of black people anymore. That was taken from us. We don't have our morals anymore. That was taken from us. So whose idea are you representing when you stand up for those values? Not ours. Somebody else's. Some other nationality. And it may work for them. But it doesn't work for us. It hasn't worked for anybody, really, but nobody wants to deal with the truth. Monogamy was only created because of the economics of it.
3: The Black Man's Guide to Understanding the Black Woman has been out for, what, over a year now? Uh, year?
4: March the 20th will be the first year anniversary, and for that anniversary, I'm releasing uh, my new video, and the video is called The Black Man's Guide on Tour, and it is exciting.
3: I would so, assume it's pretty Yeah, hot. it's hot, I after, tell you. After writing this book... Uh, just, just take a moment before you, uh-huh. before you answer. Okay. Do you regret anything about what you wrote? If you had the chance to do it all over again, would you perhaps soften some of the things that you said?
4: No, that doesn't require any in-depth thought. I've been asked that a lot, of course. I no, I wouldn't, because, see, we always want some kind of instruction and help to come to us that doesn't uh, affect the status quo. We want somebody to tell us, some information or give us some instruction that doesn't require us to change. Okay? Mm-hmm. This book requires change. And one thing this book has done that I have really been pleased with, it has certainly reopened communications and a lot of us as black women, because of what uh, here seems like it's just so radical, are willing to make a lot of concessions now and cooperate a lot of other kind of ways to keep from having to do any of these things that I list in here. <laughs> so I, I have letters from black men who just write and say, listen, thank you. My wife is cooking better meals now. Uh, I have letters from children that say thank you. My mother quit her second job. She's home with us now at night. Uh, I have had black men walk up to me on the street in New York and reach out to shake my hand and say thank you and just burst into tears. And say, thanks, hey, I thought I'd never get to see the day. M-
3: not, not to jump on your case or anything here, but just to say in defense, how many of those women are afraid of an open-handed slap in the face? You've been oh, accused. Oh,
4: you know, that's a terrible thing. You have
3: God. been accused of advocating violence. No, see, that's a misconception. I'm
4: trying to stop violence in the black community. Now, we know, Raven, that domestic violence is at an all-time high in the black community. Black men currently are kicking us blacking our eyes, knocking our teeth out, stabbing us, shooting us. They're doing a lot of horrible things to us. All right? So what I'm trying to do is to put some direction on that. One of the problems we have is that we don't know that change happens in degrees and stages. So if we just say, tell our men, don't hit women, not going to do that any more than they're going to say no to drugs. You know, that doesn't work in that way just to give that kind of instruction. So let's first put some controls on it. Let's get our men to recognize that they don't have to go off and brutalize us with their fists and hit us with weapons and, and uh, kick us in the stomach and hit us in the But breast. it's
3: okay for him to hit Wait a me with his Wait a hand? Wait a minute. I'm saying
4: that if I can stop black men from kicking and shooting and stabbing and stomping black women and get them to just lightly tap us in the mouth, I will have saved a lot of lives and <gasps> preserved a lot of family. What kind of logic is that? Well, they're not going to stop doing it completely. Now, let's deal with the reality of the statistics. You know, 40% of our women are brutalized, so I'm trying to get the men to stop doing that to us. The Red Cross suggests the same motion, and nobody's ever jumped on them. If a person gets hysterical, you slap them in the face. Bring them back around to reality. And I'm not even saying a hard slap. And let's go over that because that's something that's confused all (laughs) over the country. I'm really, I'm so tired. That's the national anthem of black women. Now, at first I thought they were really upset, but I think it's been kind of a smokescreen. They're trying to use that to get black men not to read the rest of the book. Okay, this is what it says If the black woman is brutalized repeatedly, the relationship will fail, and the black man will possibly be arrested and charged with cowardly abusing a woman. This is not the goal. Make no mistake about it. No black eyes, no punching in the stomach, the breast, no stomping and no uppercuts. Analyzing the options available to the black man when the black woman's mouth, verbal abuse has been proven to be just as violent and harmful as physical abuse. When her mouth becomes uncontrollably disrespectful, they told only a few. He can walk away from her, leave the house, get drunk. We know men do that. He can go to his other woman and complain. He can quit the relationship, leave the woman, He can try to argue back and lose. Nobody can out-argue us, okay? Or he can seek counseling or sympathy from friends. Now, those are the only options any man has when a woman is running off at the mouth to him. Or he can offer her a sound open-handed slap in the mouth. That doesn't go from point A to Z, there's a lot of other options in there that our men use. I'm just describing what happens. Ordinarily, when he gets to that point six, it's not a slap; it's a brutal hit with a fist. I'm trying to stop him from doing that to us, but and I'm trying to no get us to control of it No kind violence
3: should be advocated. Well,
4: well, that's not advocating violence. The violence is already going on. I'm trying to stop it. I'm trying to put some controls on it. Share is that? And that's something
3: that people you, don't understand. You are a mother.
4: Yes, I have twelve children. How would
3: you feel if your daughter called you at 2 a.m. in the morning and said, "Mom, he hit me." Now, you're a mother now.
4: Uh, you're a mother. Uh, well, I'm not emotional like that. I'd have to say what happened. Put him on extension and let me find out what happened.
3: There are many women out there who would yeah. like to know, are you married? Of course I'm married.
4: Yeah, now, you know I'm with being with a man. I'm not ashamed to say I need a man. No, I need a man. I'm one of those with men. <laughs> I have to have a man. <laughs> I am not ashamed of that. Uh, my, uh, my first husband uh died in 1985 on the first level heart attack and uh, i have a new husband now and uh, i've given the children to him and we're raising them and uh, he's he's a be- very beautiful man he's not afraid of me he's not intimidated by me and uh, he knows me and he has read the book <laughs> okay <laughs> he is in agreement with my campaign and uh, all of my sons are in agreement with this i have seven sons and uh, they are very beautiful and uh, very talented. And uh, it's very interesting to see how, as a result of me teaching them differently, the girls that come there, they don't run the same game on them. You know, like they can't come into our house with the miniskirts on. Mm-hmm. They can't come in with the skin tight clothes on. You uh, are
3: Muslim, may I add that? Oh, of course. Okay. But, uh, uh,
4: I'm not teaching our people religion. Okay. they already failed that course. I wouldn't dare try to teach black people religion. But does that,
3: but does that influence? Does that influence the way? Well, Islam influences
4: everything that uh, goes on uh, in the black community because that's what we were before we were brought here as slaves. So yes, it certainly has influenced my life.
3: Can I? Can I jump back? It's not a
4: book on religion, and I don't bring it into it like that. I want
3: to jump back for just a moment. You said there are three kinds of Mm -hmm. black women. Where do you fall? Uh,
4: Probably somewhere, the categories overlap, probably between the two, three.
3: And how do you criticize yourself?
4: Well, as I said, I work every day to be a better wife, better mother, and I have not said I'm perfect. You know, I'm a victim of all of the things just like all of the rest of us are. And I don't say that all black women do everything in my book. None of us have lived long enough to do everything in the book. But all of us do some of them. And uh, all of every time that we do them, then it serves to break up our relationship and run our men away from us, when that's not really what we want at all. We really want him to run toward us. But sometimes we function in such a way that makes him be outside, looking for peace of mind with somebody else because we withhold the peace because we're mad, mad at him about something, you know. Uh, I go around trying to tell black women if one of the things we can do for our men is just smile when we see him coming, Yeah. You know? If you get with these ideas, the first thing it'll do is relax the muscles in your face. You won't be so uptight all the time. It'll make you beautiful.
3: What are you teaching your daughters in regarding to this philosophy? That uh,
4: to be able to judge things on an unemotional basis, to try to go by the actual facts of what is presented to you instead of how you feel about it. Our people in general have a problem distinguishing between actual fact and opinion. And we think we have an option to reject reject the truth based on how we feel about it. And the truth doesn't change just because we feel a certain way about it. It remains the truth. So I teach them that.
3: Is this book semi-autobiographical?
4: Oh, absolutely not. (coughs) Excuse me. Absolutely not. No, no. But no. doesn't the average
3: person that write a book? There's a uh-huh. little bit of him somewhere in I'm what you I'm the writes. writer here. You're the TV host, and <laughs>
4: writers do not
3: do that. You can write about anything
4: you want to. And uh, what the only thing I regret is that I didn't write the Black Man's Guide to Understand the Black Woman Part Two, because there's some more. This, this is just all I put in one book. But I'm coming out with the uh, Black Woman's Guide to uh-huh. Understanding the Black Man in 1993 probably.
3: Well, I will tell you right now there will be a lot of ladies. Oh yeah, we return money every
4: day. They're trying to buy it already, but I don't have it ready.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The most profound question perhaps that I can ask you right now, do you believe in what you're writing or are you a very astute businesswoman making a buck? Well,
4: I believe absolutely in what I'm writing. I wouldn't come out here and go through what I have to go through around the country every day. And I, I could be in a different city every, way the, every day of the year. The demand is just that great. Um, I read an article in Emerge magazine the other day. People have been writing in about my book as a result of an article they wrote a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And the editor put a note in the magazine, in the front of their magazine, that uh, that's Emerge magazine now, that's supposed to be black people coming out and so forth. They put a paragraph in there that said we have been still getting letters on Sharazad Ali's book, The Black Man's Guide to Understand the Black Woman, Mm -hmm. but we're not going to publish any more of them because we have decided that the book has made enough money. I thought that was the most ignorant remark. So I told my secretary, get him on the telephone. So I got that nigga on the phone. I said, has IBM made enough money? Has Nike, Reebok, AT&T? Why don't you go tell them people that they made enough money? You know, that's so silly that our people... Uh, take an attitude of wanting to stifle someone else's success. Uh, the part that you mentioned in regard to me being a successful publisher and black black, a female entrepreneur, absolutely. I have a great deal of insight about the publishing industry. I did this by myself. And you would think that somebody would want to do a story on that side since obviously I know how to put together a successful project and carry it off until the second year now but they don't want to deal with that and they keep saying i made enough money now, nobody even knows how much money i have made they don't know what my responsibilities are they do know i have 12 children you know but I-, I thought that was such an ignorant remark for a black person to make when all of the people who are making money off of black people in our community the where it's not benefiting us at all it's not helping us to grow or to change or to be better and uh, they never get addressed they never get attacked a- but they keep saying to me you know that uh I have made enough money. And they don't
3: even know. The irony in this is that you said you wish you could see more black women taking more interest in, in the home. Well, you I'm are a businesswoman. You're traveling all the time. Who's cooking no, your husband dinner My tonight? My husband travels
4: with me a lot of the times. You all just don't know who he is because <laughs> we can't let that out. No, he's with me a great deal of the time. I have a strong family uh, extended family structure. I have sisters. And uh, my children are between the ages of 5 and 26. Mm-hmm. Now, if that 23, 24, and 25-year-old don't know how to take care of the children when I'm not there, then I have failed. But I haven't because they do know how to carry on until I get back, you know.
3: Have you met anyone, any one black woman that you do admire who you think I has done an excellent a lot job? I black women all of the time. Uh,
4: Marva Collins. Uh, I just made a huge donation to the Marva Collins Preparatory School in Cincinnati in memory of my mother. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've donated to a lot of organizations around the country, you know, to help black children. Mostly that's what I do. Uh, I don't donate any money that's going to be used for administrative costs. I don't do that. But if it's going to go directly to the children, I do that. Uh, A lot of black women. You know, we've done, as I said, uh, I represent that great strength that we have. I admire you for what you're doing. It takes a lot of courage to bring me in on a television show and let me just talk. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people wouldn't Thank do you. that. You Thank know? You. And I wish you
3: success in your career. <laughs> Thank you very much. After I'm gone. <laughs> Sherriza, do you have an opinion of the white woman?
4: Uh, just that she's been an influence on us. And that, uh, not intentionally, she's just living her life. She didn't tell us to copy her. Mm-hmm. You know, But the way the society is set up, we have copied a lot of her ideas and a lot of the standards she sets for the white man we have tried to set them for the black man except all of the things that are required for a man to have to meet those prerequisites our men are
3: kept from getting
4: you understand so it's, it's really really a messed up situation and so we make demands on our men that they just can't uh, they can't produce you've so.
3: been on the talk show circuit for quite some time now 10 months do, do you find that even journalists And the highest degree have trouble remaining objective when they talk to you? Yeah, most of them.
4: In fact, what they do is, uh, on the newspaper interviews, they sit there, and they're so nice. Oh, they're so wonderful. And then I leave town, and then I get a copy of the story in the mail. Oh, God, they roast me alive. You You write some
3: pretty powerful stuff. It must be hard to even go in an airport. Oh, sometimes. Well, sometimes. it certainly
4: has allowed me to be recognized, you know, people, because I wear these crowns, you know, they, they recognize me in a lot of places. But most of the time, uh, which is a stir which has never been told, there are so many black women who love me. There are so many black women who, uh, uh, in fact, next week I'll be going to Baltimore. And there's a group there called the Black Women's Consciousness Raising Organization or something. And it's a, a black women's group of 250 black women, professional women. They have invited me into their convention to be the keynote speaker.
3: May you I know, say, I got black
4: women all over the country who are in support of this project. In fact, uh, I just gave that lecture in uh, Miami, uh-huh. and uh, the man who invited me in was 78 years old. He said he thought he'd never live to see the day that the truth was told about our women. You know, he's 78 year old black man who is still in business. He invited me in. Most of the people at the lecture were women. Most of the people who bought two and three books for their sons were women. Most of the people that bought books for their daughters who were getting married were women. You know, so it's it's been distorted of who actually is supporting this project. Uh, we have 30 million people out here. About 15 million of them have jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 7 million of them can read or have disposable income to buy a book, and I haven't reached uh, the market that I, I intend to reach in order to actually get this message to penetrate into our communities. Uh, the book being required reading is certainly going to help us to face some realities Uh, Our young people want a different life. They don't want the failure that many of us have suffered. They have seen that this has not worked for many of us, and they want something different. They want to find out why they can't get along, why their mating uh, techniques are failing for them, and why they're so frustrated, why there's so much game and nonsense in it. And uh, this book will help them to do that.
3: Shahrazad Ali, it has been a pleasure when well, I say to have you today this. in our program. Uh, can I just add something for just a moment? I had the opportunity to have lunch with you today. Yes. You are a very personable individual. You Absolutely. Are sweet. They just tried to you make, make a you con- a
4: monster on television. But can I
3: say that if I didn't know about this book, on a first impression of you, I never would have thought you'd have written that.
4: Well, you may not have. Uh, many of us are... are have some talents that our larger communities can benefit from. You know, if I had met you somewhere, I might not have realized that you were a you know, very popular and dedicated talk show host. I wouldn't have known that until you told me what you you know, do. Uh, I believe that the message I'm trying to bring to my people is a message from God. I think that the only way our people get any message or information from God is through the people, and that this is a very important work I'm doing. This is not a game to me. Uh, It has a great emotional drain on me. Uh, People come against me with a lot of negative uh, uh, ideas. They come hard. They bring all the force that they have to bear. And I have to stand up under that.
3: How do you deal with that?
4: Well, I don't internalize. I don't let it go in. I expected us to have an emotional reaction. And I know that uh, when you have a revolution of social change, the first reaction is emotional. But those people settle down. And so if I have to be the brunt of that in order for them to get to a better life, in order for us to have a better child, then I just have to take that. And of course my own man has to absorb a lot of what I bring to him. Sometimes every once in a while somebody will get through and they'll say something that'll, you know, just be so penetrating, you know, say, wow, listen to that. But I just don't internalize it because I know that it's not me. They really want to attack, you know. They really want to just not have to take responsibility for their behavior. They don't want anyone to say that's wrong because most of the negative practices we have, uh, we've been doing them so long, we think that they are right. And so we don't want anybody to come out and say, you're doing that wrong. And we certainly don't want our man to say, that's right, you are wrong.
3: Has this been worse, what you've had to go through? Absolutely. Being accosted in airports and Absolutely. practically blessed out on television uh, shows. The, anytime
4: I'm accosted in an airport, it's because somebody wants an autograph or they want a book. I mean, I've had an entire basketball team in LA. <laughs> you know, they want a book or they want an autograph, but it has not been negative. And uh, certainly, as I said, uh, we can always dwell on that one issue in the book that people tried to bring up that's negative about violence. Uh, as I have explained, that's not what I was trying to do. And uh, that certainly keeps people from understanding the rest of the book, which is calling on us as black women to bring some of that backboning strength that we have some of that monumental dedication to the black family back to making a family a family is more than a woman and children a family is a father and a mother and children
3: you cannot deny however that there are many black women who have decided for whatever reason to go it alone and are successful in raising children who are not on drugs. No, they're not successful. Wait, wait, wait. Let me just make my point now. Who are sending their children to college, who run a good home. I
4: keep trying to explain that. Feeding and clothing and raising a child and making sure it's not on drugs and it goes to college, that doesn't guarantee that child any emotional success in their relationships in life. That just means they may be able to get a job. See, we have to look at even what the success standard is that we're talking about that's not necessarily success that doesn't guarantee us success if we can raise up an emotionally stable child one who knows how to carry on our black nation who knows how to be a good mother and still perhaps contribute to the outside community. If we can raise up fathers who take responsibility for their children and who know that their presence in the home is a needed one if we are to survive, there are a lot of other things more important than us just getting a college education and a job. That does not guarantee the success of a nation. That guarantees a personal financial success, which is not the only thing that we need to revive our black nation.
3: Let's talk about the future just briefly. Mm -hmm. What's up next for you? Uh, The uh,
4: video the black man's guide on tour, which is coming out March the 20th, and uh, hopefully by Christmas we'll have it completed. I'm working on a prototype of the Shahrazad doll, and uh, ah. the Shahrazad doll is going to be a, a little doll with a little lady with a little crown on, <laughs> and she'll be holding a little black man's guide, and when you punch her on top of the crown, she'll give you a positive message. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> when I thought of that, I said straight up in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she's going to do that, and uh, I'll be. I've been asked to come into the elementary, elementary schools more now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm starting to, uh, as I said, if I could work every day of the year, there's a request for me to come out and talk to our people because they want some relief and they want some explanation. And most of our people are intelligent enough to know that just because of the popularity of this book. You know, our educational class has failed us because all of them together have never been able to bring one agenda to the forefront of our nation where all of the people are dealing with it, like this book has. The Black Man's Guide has succeeded in doing that. Our people are dealing with this all across the country, and it's becoming a crossover book. The white man says it's starting to help him with the white woman, so they're going to be in trouble, (laughs) too.
3: It's not just us anymore. You will be going to Africa very Uh, soon.
4: Uh, Hopefully, uh, Nelson Mandela called me, and he invited me to come there to Johannesburg. Uh, He says that they have a similar problem with the black women in South Africa and that many of them try to marry into the white race because they think it provides them with better benefits than staying with their men who are suppressed, you know, under the apartheid system. And I have been invited to London, of course, where the book is becoming a bestseller. I've even been invited to Ireland. They don't even have no black people there, but they say they want me to come over there and talk to the white woman. You know, I mean, I haven't been, this is a global project now. I just can't go everywhere. I don't have the energy all the time, and I can't keep dragging my children. And, and uh, 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 my own husband, you know, he's got some things he's doing that I you know, have to work with him on. And so, but I, I try to, I, who I want to work with, actually, is the black woman and the black man here in America where I live. That's where I'm really doing my major work. And uh, if I go anyplace else, it'll probably just be live remote television, you know, to someplace else, but I don't know if I'm going to really have the time to travel to those other places.
3: Did you know when you wrote this book that it would take off like this?
4: I suspected it would. It's new information. We've never had it. This is brand new information, and no matter what anybody else ever writes about relationships, this is going to be the standard by which it will be judged.
3: I want to talk just a moment about something that I I saw recently on television. Um, Everybody, Everybody has taken the opportunity to make their poke at you.
1: Oh, yeah. Did
3: you see, by chance, um, the skit that was done on In Living Color? <laughs> yes. I saw. What did you think about that?
4: <laughs> well, you know, the phone started ringing off the hook. People were calling me from all over the country to tell me, did you see Living Color? and Nobody knew how to react, you know, because they didn't know what my reaction would be, and they didn't know if I was going to go off, you know. I, uh, I can walk around with a loaded gun sometimes, so they didn't know, you know, if it was going to be in the... So uh, I thought that was hysterical. That was the funniest thing I have ever seen, and uh, it was a compliment, because they could not have done that and been successful if they hadn't assumed that everyone, first of all, knew who I was, was familiar with the book. So, you know, that was excellent penetration, I felt, of the media. I had reached some goals, and uh, I called him to thank him, and... Uh, Told him that I wasn't angry, he wasn't sure if I was or not, but I just thanked him and I sent him an autographed copy of the book. <laughs>
1: That's all I did.
4: <laughs> but I thought, it, they had me down pat, I have to say.
3: <laughs> Even your family thought so?
4: Yeah, my son said, Mama, it was just like you. <laughs> so we, we taped it, you know, and we we have, uh, it's been on a couple of times since they aired mm-hmm. it because of demand, and uh, we have it at home, and it's certainly one that we get out a lot of times when company comes if they didn't see it, and we play it because it was so funny. But uh, it was just a takeoff, and uh, so many people have been able to earn money. You know, this book has put the black bookstore on the map. Uh, it has uh, allowed a lot of black bookstores to open up other branches of their bookstores. Uh, a lot of people have uh, testified that they have bought cars, uh, put their children into the first year of college just mm-hmm. with one book. You know, we can't uh, ignore the economic base that this book has put into the black community. The first six months it was out, I only allowed it to be sold in black bookstores. But then as I did more national television shows, we didn't have enough bookstores to carry it that were in the mainstream of cities. And so I started allowing B. Dalton, Walden, Encore, and all of the other chains to carry it. But uh, it has done a great deal for the black community in regard to being an economic base. and I would think black people would be happy to have something else to sell other than Avon. And <laughs> <laughs> Since those are not our products. You know?
3: Let's just briefly, we're just about out of time, but I would like you to leave us here in Tallahassee, Florida, and the surrounding areas, the um, surrounding counties that can watch this program. What are some words of advice or wisdom or courting, according to Sherazad Ali? Just
4: some, the only wisdom that I can leave you is... Uh, the information that's already recorded in most of our holy books. And that's that uh, God made the man and woman to be together in unity. And so it is impossible for us as black women to attend church and say that we love and worship God when we disrespect our own man, who is in the image of God, because God is a man. And our men may be the closest representative of that kind of masculinity of God that we ever meet and uh, that we should stop using our children to punish our men. We should stop disrespecting our men in front of our children. Sometimes we talk badly about them. It makes the child get a different idea about the father just because of our personal relationship. And that we should start trying to be a little bit more patient, tolerant, and courteous. And those are some attributes that we have kind of gotten away from because we're on this speed thing of trying to make a living. And uh, as I said, I'm not saying that he's right, but if we become better women, he's got to become a better man.
3: Shahrazad Ali, thank you so much. This has been a well, very I've interesting this. I know your people are going to love
4: this. I mean, nobody <laughs> ever gets to hear me talk this much. All right.
3: Thank you so much for joining us today on Vibration. Well, thank you for inviting me. That's our show for this week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.
5: Yeah, I tell them the truth. I do it for my people, gotta represent. And everything else is irrelevant. I'm putting on the whole armor of God. And now I'm in charge like a phone that's on 1%. Came around a boat, but I'm leaving in a spaceship. A black man ruling this world is outrageous. All we know for dancing and singing on stages. My sisters are still shaking what their mama gave them. Damn, and I need a check that's something I can't stand. Prophet always gotta take the matters in his hands. David told King Solomon how to walk like a man. So that's what my plans. And came in this world as a prophet. Little did I know that some people tell me to stop it. Doing what I'm supposed to. I be prophesying. They say don't believe him. That nigga be lying. And you know a prophet's always hated in his hometown. They don't wanna listen when I say this place is going down. Doing what I'm supposed to. I be prophesying. They say don't believe him. That nigga be
1: lying. I tell the truth. The truth, the truth, the truth. Yeah. The truth, the truth, the truth. Yeah. The truth, the truth, the truth, the truth. Yeah. The truth.
6: Let me bring you in like the inner sign. We can keep it moving like it's enterprise. The truth be on the corner like them boys that spin them signs. Add not to what's after nine. And you see it's nothing World Cup both ways A stab to the stomach The day coming When the earth will burn Is an oven Filet mignon My faith too strong To live forever Boy, would be a great coupon I'm standing on your block With my camp boots on Not a sign of disrespect But a silver lining Gorilla back And we still intact Let them know the real is back Jeremiah Ezekiel You will feel alive when I speak to you Every scripture is like a slice The word of God can really get a piece of you
5: Came in this world as a prophet I know that some people tell me to stop it Doing what I'm supposed to, I be prophesying They say don't believe him, that nigga be lying And you know a prophet's always hated in his hometown They don't wanna listen when I say this place is going down Doing what I'm supposed to, I be prophesying They say don't believe him, that nigga be
1: lying I tell the truth truth the true the truth 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 the truth, the truth, the truth. The truth. Yeah, wartime. tell them blow the trumpets until
0: God hear it. No fear in my spirit, in close and we getting near it. We've been here for a minute, I'm still trying to comprehend it. I think we better off home like sports competition. Soon as we touch down, it's a celebration. Call it fourth inches, we built up more tension. From years of miseducation, having our lives taken. They must have had it mistaken, it's the great awakening. Came in fully submitted, completed application. You make bread to feed yourself, we bread to feed the nation. Profits on the block, look how we sweep the streets. You see more clicks at the corner than on computer screens. All still, yeah, we all here. Twelve back like the cops came here harassing again. Punching back for all the hits that we done took on the chin. I'm done explaining, done talking, bring the hook in again.
5: Yeah. Came in this world as a prophet. little that I know that some people tell me to stop it. doing what I'm supposed to. I be prophesying. They say don't believe him. That nigga be lying. And you know a prophet's always hated in his hometown. They don't wanna listen when I say this place is going down. Doing what I'm supposed to. I Be prophesying, they say don't believe him That nigga be lying, I tell
1: the the truth The truth, the truth, the truth The truth, the truth, the truth The truth, the truth, the truth The truth
2: We got the guys in the building, got gods in the building. We do not care about your feelings. We do not care about your feelings, got gods in the building. We got the gods in the building. We got the gods in the building, got gods in the building. We do not care about your feelings. We do not care about your feelings. Don't care about your With scriptures, we shaking back.
0: Watching our Babylon make it quick. My people, they see us, we make them safe. The gods I come back to come say that make a That's what the Bible say. G is for greatest, O is for overkill. D is for dominate. We winning. A-
2: I care about your friends, don't care about you. See, I ain't new to this, border
6: a blue, with French that jewelry, from Pompeii to Julius, slave markets full of hot niggas, love coonery, bringing you down like the nominators, you gon' get done, we cannot escape, the corner of your block be annihilated, the world is ours, the kingdom waiting, the money you chasing, the car that you driving, the car you are buying can't profit you nothing, Guys in the building, the reason you hiding, the lies that you're why won't we all just love? Why won't we all just hug? Now where was that shit? When we was all in boats, coast. To- The hill and we very heroic, but labeled as villains. The guys in the building better yeah, We on the block with the killers in the thesis, yeah, get your thesis, rook to pieces. As we move the minds of our people No telekinesis. As we young and shamedic, you might not get it. The blood of the prophecies in our genetics. Our enemies look so pathetic. Pull a script on apologists and make them look so apologetic. Oh, clap our hands, shout on to God with voices of
2: triumph. Give praise to the king, the God of our gods, the leader and ruler of Zion. Guys in the building, we got the. We do not care about your feelings. We do not care about your feelings. Got gods in the building. We got the gods in the building. We got the gods in the building. Got gods in the building. We do not care about your feelings. We do not care about your feelings.
1: Thank you for listening to
5: the Forefront Radio. We now have a cash app. The link is in the description of the page here on Anchor.fm, also on Spotify. We appreciate you listening in. We do have a few features that we are including now. We are selling a few products such as watches, perfumes, colognes, and other uh, products will be available for our Israelite community, as well as the general community of the population. We have a Facebook page. Just type in The Forefront Media and you'll be able to get updates of uh, various shows that we drop when they do drop. Um, Please do share this show if you like the show. And we do hope that you do love this show and uh, tune in for more uh, episodes once we have them available. Thank you for listening to The Forefront. I'm your host, Afiel
1: Levi-Israel.